Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Jesus reminds us he's not a vine, he's the vine, just like he's not a way or a truth or a life, he's the way, the truth, the life, and now the vine, the true and genuine, authentic, real vine. He's not like imitation leather or uh, I can't believe it's not butter. No, he's the real deal. In today's broadcast, we begin a new two-part study from Pastor Sam entitled, The Vine and the Branches. We're studying the 15th chapter in the book of John, and this study will include the entire chapter. In Jesus' teaching here, he contrasts the love and joy that will be perfected in us with the hatred the world will bestow upon us for his name's sake. So let's listen in. John 15, the vine and the branches. John begins here. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Well, Jesus' exhortation in John 15 is to abide in him. And our obedience or disobedience to that clear command will be observable to all. By the way, the Bible uses the word abide 36 times. 15 of them are in the um, Old Testament, 21 of them in the New Testament. Luke uses it once. The Apostle Paul uses it once. John, very fond of this word. He records Jesus speaking it. 12 times in his gospel, six times in 1 John, and once in 2 John. In fact, John uses abide 19 of the 36 times it appears in scripture. That turns out to be 52.777777777777. Oh, you guys are smarter than first service. They all said seven. There's no fool in you. Or maybe you're just more awake. I don't know how it works. But yes, yeah, seven, seven, eight. But listen, it's easier just to say more than 52% of the time this word appears in Scripture. John is using it. Eight of them are here in John 15. Well, we read it. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Again, Jesus reminds us he's not a vine. He's the vine, just like he's not a way or a truth or a life. He's the way, the truth, the life, and now the vine. The true and genuine, authentic, 
real vine. He's not like imitation leather or uh, I can't believe it's not butter. No, he's the real deal. And what is the deal with imitation everything? Uh, I guess it's cheaper and we're not supposed to be able to tell the difference. But I can tell the difference. And here's the really sad thing. There is an imitation Jesus out there. He's not anything like the real thing. And we should be saying, I can't believe he's not Jesus. Well, that's what they're thinking. They need to know there's one true and living son of God, genuine, authentic, real. We were created by him and for him. We live spiritually in him. We find our life, our hope, our peace, our joy, our purpose, our identity, everything in Christ Jesus. Back in John 1, 9 and 1 John 2, 8, Jesus says he's the true light. In John 6, 32, he says the true bread from heaven. It's so important because, well, you have the truth and then you have the deception. You have the real and then you have the unreal. Well, every branch, and we read it, in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Uh, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now, Jesus is the root and the vine, and the root and the vine are pure and perfect and holy. The problem, of course, is with the branches. And he says, we're the branches. That's where the trouble starts, and that's where it ends. Now, he does describe the um, branches in just two ways here. He'll give us more later, but there's the fruitless branch and there's the fruitful branch. And what's the difference? The fruitless branch isn't attached to him, doesn't abide in him. It's a useless branch both on and off the vine because a branch only has one purpose and that's to bear fruit. Now, we don't want to take this too far, but we do need to know he's talking about People and he's talking to his disciples. And when he talks about a fruitless branch, Judas immediately comes to mind. Judas, by the way, chosen with the others, discipled by our Lord, sent out and empowered to do works in his name. And yet Judas never committed his life to Jesus. He never surrendered to Jesus. How do we know? Jesus calls him the son of perdition. He says at his death, he went to his own place. Listen, you don't want to go to that place. You want to go to the place God's been preparing for you. Well, a fruitless branch then is taken away. And again, those words taken away, they're used of carrying away a dead body. Judas was twice dead. He was dead physically, but he had never lived spiritually. So dead spiritually, dead physically, now separated from Jesus forever. In spite of all he saw and all he did and all he learned, Judas never surrendered. The fruitful branch fulfills its true and ultimate purpose. And he says of those who are fruitful, and I would hope that's every single one of you today, he'll prune you. I don't know how you feel about being pruned, but I do know having you know, had some fruit trees and some vines over the years that 
that the pruning is absolutely essential if there's anything on that branch that could be damaging to the branch itself or to the fruit that will be produced. You wanna get that off of there. You pretty much wanna take bugs off unless they're ladybugs because those are sent by God to eat the aphids and other things that are bad for the branch. And so ladybugs on you, that's cool. Any other bugs, they gotta go. So uh, he prunes these, why? That they'll bear greater fruit. And that's always his bottom line. He chose us to bear fruit for him. Abide in me, verse four, we read it. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's saying we have to connect with him and stay connected to him. We need to be abiding. And that's the key word throughout this. It's the same idea when last time in John 14, he promised another comforter, he says, who will abide with you forever. That was true of 11 of the 12. Not Judas because Judas never surrendered. But the others, the spirit was with them, he says, he will be in you. Later, we'll see there's even a third relationship that we have to the Holy Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit upon us, enabling us to live for God and to minister effectively spiritually to one another. We'll look more at the Holy Spirit next time because John 14 and John 16 both focus on him. We introduce some ideas related to him. In 14, we will dig into those next time in John 16. Well, a branch connected to the vine then is nourished by the vine. Apart from the vine, it dies and withers away. And he says in verse six, to that end, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Turns out you can't build anything with those branches. They're not even really good for firewood because, well, they just burn up almost instantly. And, and so again, a vine separated from him, a branch separated from him is a fruitless and useless branch. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. I read it to you, I read it again because again, Judas comes to mind along with so many others who've known so much about the Lord, but they never really came to know him. Way back when my boys were little, and you remember these kind of things if you're a parent or a grandparent. We're sitting in a doctor's office one of my boys gets in a conversation with, with a lady that was there waiting as we were on the doctor and, and, and he's reading a book about Jesus and she's like, oh, so, so you know about Jesus? And, and he goes, yeah. And, and she goes, so I know a lot about Jesus too. He goes, well, I know Jesus. And so uh, there is a difference, right? I know a lot about President Trump more than I ever hoped to know or wanna know but I don't know him and he doesn't know me. If I walked up to him, which is impossible because the secret service would have me on my face so fast. But if I tried to walk up to him, he'd just say, hey, I don't know you. I'd be like, oh, but I know you, President Trump. I, man, I don't read your tweets because that's too weird for me, but, but I know you. 
And, and here's the thing. People are like that with Jesus. They think because they're so familiar with him because he's made himself familiar that they know him. But we don't know him until we know him as Lord, as Savior, as, as healer, as transformer, as well, all the things he is to us. So again, he goes on in verse seven to say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, another key, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Earlier in John 8, 31, Jesus said, to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So abiding in his word, that's the, the, the abiding in the truth, and, and that's the key to freedom. Now he's telling us the, free, the key to answered prayer, if you want your prayers answered in the affirmative, he always answers. Often he says no, Sometimes he says, wait, but what we're looking for is a, yeah, let's do that when we pray. And, and here's what we need to know, that, that it's not like we can work this. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, can ask whatever you want, what you desire, and it will be done for you. That's true, and it's not true. When is it not true? When we're only doing it to try to get something we wanted before we said we were abiding or tried to abide. By the way, you really can't try to abide in Jesus. You have to be abiding or you're not abiding. But my, my point in all this is simple. It's that we can ask what we desire, knowing he'll answer in the affirmative, because if we're abiding in him, and this will make total sense to you, if we're abiding in him, our desires will begin to align with him. We'll have the mind of Christ the phrase is used elsewhere. We'll think like him. And we know if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And we know if he hears us, we'll have the prayer or the petition answered. So how does that play out? It's simple. As I abide in him, his desires become my desires. And I'm like, Jesus, I know what you want to do here. And, and or if I don't know, I don't know what you want to do here. But Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That's a prayer he always answers in the affirmative. Lord, I just want what you want. I just want to see what you want to do, and I want to be useful to you. Well, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So the picture is we bear fruit. He prunes us. We bear more fruit. And then, of course, there'll be much fruit. Ultimately, he says, well, in this, my father is glorified. It's right here that you bear much fruit. And this will be proof, again, that we're his disciples. Earlier, he said that love for one another, love one another as I've loved you. And, and, and he says, by this, all will know you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. And it's interesting because here in this passage, as we get to this point, the first promise to all who abide in Jesus is fruit. The second promise is it's the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. So he says, abide in me, and you'll bear fruit. Now he's telling us what that fruit will be. It will be the fruit of the Spirit, 
which is love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, there are two reasons, probably more, but two reasons I'm certain that some people, or most people, actually obey God's commandments. The first is fear of consequence. And long before I knew the Lord, long before I walked with the Lord, I was afraid of what might happen to me if I violated the Ten Commandments. It happens that we knew them back then because they were posted in the schools. And they were in that great big giant Bible that, you know, parents used to put out when people visited. And then it went away and we never saw it again until someone else visited. But, but the deal is with the Ten Commandments, and we're looking at them this Wednesday night, by the way, every single one of them is valuable and useful to us. But if our relationship with God is based purely on fear of if I disobey, then what's going to happen to me? That's better than disobeying, but it's not the highest motivation for obeying. The reality is, if you obey the Lord because you're afraid of the consequence of disobedience, you are actually wise. The fool knows what God wants and could care less, revels in his rebellion and disobedience, and so you're wise, that's the fool, but there's a higher motivation and he's giving it to us here. The highest possible motivation for doing what's right is love. And if you're married, you know this. You don't start out with a whole set of rules and regulations and restrictions, or maybe you did, depending. But Pam and I married back in 1974. We're still married, which is pretty miraculous because, well, we came from broken homes, violent homes, dysfunctional homes, homes where all sorts of stuff happened that isn't good for kids and isn't even good for the parents. All that to say the odds were against us, but God was for us. So here we are walking with him and serving him and raising a godly family. But all of that to say this, we never had a list that we made to say, well, okay, what's too late to stay out? I played music when we married, and I played in the nightclubs. I used to call them bars. I still do. She always says, call them nightclubs. I'm like, what's the difference? It sounds better. I'm like, it wasn't any better. I played in both. But nevertheless, there was no rule about what time I should get home, just that I should get home as early as I could. I had no rule about what she could spend because we didn't have any money. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, but we didn't make a bunch of rules and say, by this, you'll know I love you that I keep all these rules. Of course, we're, we want to do what's best for the other person. And that's the motivation, you see. I don't want to sin against God because I don't want to break the heart of the only one who ever loved me perfectly and knows everything about me and still loves me. And that's how, you know, we should be with every person around us. We should love them because he loves them. In fact, that's what he says. Greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Every honest person will say, Lord, I, I find that very difficult to do. Well, listen, it's impossible unless we're abiding in Jesus. Then it becomes possible. He knows with him all things are possible. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm like, well, you don't know my neighbors, Lord. No, I have really good neighbors. They're lovely. We can easily love them. But then you got to love your enemies. And now we're crossed the line. Because love your enemies? I'm still having trouble with some of the people who I like. 
And, and, and so the, the honest truth is this, that experiencing God's unconditional love causes us to love him back. Our motivation for loving him isn't fear of what he'll do if we don't love him back. No, we love him because he first loved us. He initiates, we reciprocate. What happens to those who refuse? Well, he already said, they're, they're branches that are cut off. He's trying to connect and they're like, no, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna obey you. I don't wanna walk with you. I don't wanna be like you. I do. I want all those to ring true for me. So last thought on this area or in this area is, is love doesn't ask, is it okay for me to do this or go there or smoke that or drink this or watch that? Love doesn't say, where's the line so I make sure I don't cross it? Love just says, hey, how do you want me to walk? And he says, walk this way. He lights the path before us. He's walked it. And we're following in his footsteps. We're not trying to figure out how close I can get to the fire before I'm burnt. That's maybe how people who don't know him are thinking. But they're closer to the fire than they realize. And for us, it's again, it can't be about, well, what's too much? The questions we should be asking are, is this God's best for me? Is this God's best for my family? Will this bring glory to him? Will this enable me or help me rightly represent him? Those are questions we should be asking, not is it okay for a Christian to, and then you can fill in the blank. Well, these things, verse 11, I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be filled or full. Listen, first promise to all who abide in Jesus was fruit. The second revealed that it's the fruit of the Spirit, love. And joy is evidence that we're walking in the Spirit and experiencing and sharing His love. Because, well, Galatians 5.22 says of this issue that... Um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, not the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen, the fruit is love. And then all of these other things that begin to describe what love looks like and how it impacts us and those around us. If I'm loving because I'm abiding, then I'm going to be filled with joy. I'm going to have the peace of God that surpasses understanding. I'm going to be long-suffering and patient and kind to all those around me. I'll be faithful and gentle, and there'll be self-control because the fruit of the Spirit is, in fact, self-control. So here's how this plays out. If there's no love, those other things won't be there either. They are connected to and the result of abiding in Him and loving like him. So the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, and that's love. And now he mentions joy. And it's a sure test if I'm abiding in him. Is I, am I overflowing the joy that, that I feel when I'm serving him and obeying him and walking in fellowship with him? Because there's real joy in knowing who you are and why you're here and knowing what you're to do and doing it. Our identity is in Him. Our purpose is in Him. Our power comes from Him. 
our everything, the call on our lives, the fruit from our lives, it all takes us back to an intimate, personal relationship with Him. In today's message, Pastor Sam made it quite clear what abiding in Christ means for us. The fruit that we experience by abiding in Him is love, and all of the other fruits of the Spirit come because they are expressions of that love. However, one of the works of our enemy is to try to make us think that we're unworthy of this love and that these fruits are not for us. The enemy wants us to feel shame instead. Well, if you have been tricked into thinking this way, even just for a season, please keep this verse in mind. 1 John 2.28 tells us, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, shame is no fruit of the Spirit, and if you abide in Christ and yet are still feeling shame, please remember where that shame is coming from, and it's not coming from the Lord. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.